the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. We are hitting that time of year where things are getting interesting as we're moving towards Christmas and the markets are upset. Yesterday went from a bad day to a pretty miserable day. Um, it can happen that kind of fast as a shift. It started with volatility in October. We've got two seminars coming up this weekend in San Jose that hopefully can offer you a little bit of a insight in how to ride out rough markets and what to do in rough markets. Uh, I think something like Apple took 10 years trying to grow their wealth at up $190 billion, and they've lost it in a month. Wow. It's pretty impressive. So come out to the big event Saturday in San Jose at the Rotary Center. There's a lot of information at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, CFP Chad Burton's online here to talk about the two events. One's going to be for wealth preservation and income and retirement plus taxes. Another one is going to be uh, on how to create wealth. Mr. Burton, you sent me an email that's a little bit on the cryptic side. It says yeah. income need yep. example. Was there something before that that you wanted to set it up with? Or are we just talking about no, income? No, not really. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to kind of bullet point it out without really talking about um, the different approaches that you can take for retirement income planning. Because you might have you know four people with the same income need, but they might have four different portfolio types. In other words, one person might be retiring with everything in a pre-tax 401k. One person might be retiring with almost everything in, uh, you know, one highly appreciated stock. Um, some people might re- be retiring with more than enough, and their main goal is to get money on to the next generation with the least amount of taxes. Um, and you know, one person might not have quite enough, so they might all have the same income need right now. But it's kind of just a way to go over how interesting these tax cuts are. And Rob, did you know that the capital gains bracket is still based on old income numbers from prior to 2017? Which is a good thing, right? Or is it a bad it thing? It can't be. It's just, it's just confusing. It's, it's hard to kind of run okay. it as projections. But, you know, you can have, um, first of all, the, the thing that changed the most is the standard deduction. Most people now in America will be taking the standard deduction. It's 12000 if you're single, 24000 if you're married, filing jointly. So the first 24000 is totally tax-free. And then if you're looking at ordinary income, like from your employer or self-employed income, um, you, you, the first 10% is 19, or the first 19,000 is taxed at 10%, and then the next 19,000 to 77,400 is at 12%, but the capital gains bracket is still running off the old number. So you can have a 0% tax on your stock sales or your mutual fund sales if your taxable income is under the $77,000 range. So the idea here is, is that if, depending on what your goals are, you might need to blend your income, either all from your IRA 
all from selling stock or maybe even doing some Roth conversions if your main goal is to get money on to the next generation. Point is, you can have six-figure income and be at less than a 12% effective rate. So that's pretty interesting, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a question for you um, because where I'm going out with this, I think makes sense for me putting it in my world. Um, I have a good salary. Um, I'm not earning any income off my stock investments. I am, but I'm reinvesting it. So you're basically saying when I hit retirement, I'm gonna have to kind of learn, or even before I hit retirement, I'm gonna have to learn how to kind of get my salary that I get now replaced with income from my assets. And it's going to be fine for me because I've got plenty of assets to work with. But for a lot of people, they don't. And you have taxes and you've got other things to consider to try to put together the recipe of, of uh, how much you're going to get in retirement. I just looked at my Social Security statement yesterday. I'm going to be getting about $3,300 a month. Woohoo! <laughs> um, but, but I don't know anything else. Does that sound – am I into this? Am I, am I getting it, that how difficult it's going to be for me? Yeah, and you're at that really tough age, Rob, because you know you just hit the the big five zero, right? Oh, and stop it, please. Usually, for people in the last five years that were under forty five, we would assume, yeah, here's a, a statement from Social Security, but let's make sure you can retire without it, because you're starting to talk, you're starting to hear issues of budget deficits, and if these tax cuts come through, but the trade issue lingers on and creates a slowdown we're going to see a pretty big increase in budget deficits, which means these tax cuts are going to go away in 2026. And these tax cuts kind of made it worse for Social Security and Medicare, unless the economy really heats up over 4%. Long story short is, you know, I, I would, if at 50 or below, I would ignore your Social Security statement. Because if it's okay. there, it's going to be replaced by a much higher tax situation. And then I'm not... I suffer a little anxiety and then I'm starting to get the anxiety of like all the fires in California. Will I be able to stay in California? Because I got to imagine we're going to raise taxes, right? To pay for more fire prevention. And that's stressing yeah, me out because I mean, we're already a high tax a state. Yeah. And a lot of the conversations that we're having with people that are contacting us is, is, you know, exiting California. Where can I afford to, or where can I better afford to retire or just not deal with the taxes? Now, once we go through a tax projection with people because of the way the taxes actually work in retirement, trading your, if you have a low property tax as a Prop 13, it, a lot of times it doesn't pan out that much to move out of the state and move away from friends and family versus, um, you know, stay in state and pay what ends up being usually in about an effective yield of about, or effective rate of about 6% for a lot of people in California in the middle income range. Um, so you, you have to, before you say, I'm going to move out of California, do some careful tax projections. But I mean, yeah, these fires and everything else, it's, we keep saying with global warming that the Northwest is the new California. I know. I know. I said that a couple of years ago, that uh, the Bay Area is turning into LA and Portland's turning into San Francisco as far as the weather goes. So enjoy it. Enjoy it while you're leaving me in a desert. Um, big events coming up Saturday. We don't do a lot of Saturday events, so this is kind of fun. It's in San Jose. It's it's inside, so you can get out of the smoke, which obviously is a good thing. You're doing an event from 9.30 to 11.30. What can we expect? Well, first of all, we talk about 
you mentioned the term wealth preservation, right? What does that mean? Because it's harder and harder to retire and just live off of the income with assets, right? Back in, you know, when I got into the business, people could say, I'm, I'm going to invest. It was really more like 40% stocks, 60% bonds. Stocks paid, you know, three, three and a half percent dividends. Bonds were yielding about five and a half, six percent. So most people could afford the next 15, 20 years and just live off of the income. We're not there right now. Bond rates are at three uh, percent. Dividends on stocks that are not super interest rate sensitive are more like two and a half percent. Now, are there stocks that pay more than that? Yes, but they got crushed when interest rates went up. So you have to be careful. So the wealth preservation means markets will treat you very, very well over ten, fifteen, twenty years, unless you either panic at the bottom, you get too greedy at the top or you're forced to sell to pay your expenses when the declines come. Seven out of 10 years are positive, three out of 10 years are negative. So what you do in those three out of 10 years determines whether or not you're going to be able to preserve your wealth. And so if you have enough cash to live off of and dividends and interest from your stocks and bonds and maybe rental income, and you know that, yeah, the market's going to have the 20 to 40% corrections at least twice during your retirement, but if you aren't forced to sell, you'll be okay. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. The event's from 9.30 or 11.30, and then I'm going to do one from 1 to 3. You can learn more about the events by going to his webpage, newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code RADIO25. You probably shouldn't be coming to both because one's more different than the other. You can learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Lots of data there. Use code RADIO25. Talk to you soon, Chad. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. When I was a young boy, I wanted to move to California. I was on the East Coast and overseas a lot, different countries. And, uh, you know, the big thought was, earthquakes was the problem but wildfires are taking more lives than earthquakes these days and begs the question how often do we continue or why should we continue to rebuild um i see a lot of fury out there of people at the utilities i see building codes that could be improved i see communities that could be maintained better i was three miles into the, the state the other day and it was just dry and uh it's gonna be a problem and it's gonna be a costly problem and I don't know how insurance companies are going to survive without massively passing on the cost to you. And California passed a law not too long ago, a couple months ago, that allows the utility companies to pass the cost on to you. So, interesting. Let's talk about housing a little bit. Bring in Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Um, owning a home. The American dream, and yet millennials now are starting to askew said American dream a little bit. Um, it's funny. They feel like they don't have to own a car. They can just take a lift. They feel that they don't have to own a home. They can rent with three or four of their friends and be very social. Um, that's much, much more important than, say, um, getting in over their head. They have to service their, their debt. Some other costs that are kind of scary and a lot of people forget about owning a home costs maintenance. U.S. households pay an average of $3,400 each year to outsource maintenance costs. It's cheaper to do it yourself, but that's far from free, and you have to have some skills at doing that. Um, you've got skills. 
I'm one of the few fortunate, I suppose. Um, I can do the yard work. I can do, I can build something in the house. Yeah. I've, I've had experience with that. I can paint the house. Um, yeah, it's definitely a cost that you, you have to factor in when buying a house, uh, $3,300. I mean, that's another 300 bucks a month. And if, if that's not in your budget, then you're ex- you're working an extra job and then you'll never have any time to do any maintenance and it just keeps digging a hole even further. Another cost that you have that you may not always think of when you move into a home is utilities. And that goes for renting. That goes for home ownership. And uh, one hot summer could jack your air conditioning costs up. Uh, one cold winter could jack your heating costs up. And sometimes if you aren't good about it, those costs can be three, four, five hundred dollars a month. Uh, so I was fortunate that I, I don't want to say my dad was cheap. But we were definitely wearing sweaters for most of the winter in the house. So when we were renting and we were looking to buy a house, we actually started, and it's a very similar um, strategy that people use when they pay off a car. They keep making a payment as though they have a car, but they just save the money instead, but they keep that you know, that, that habit. Uh, we started making a, uh, we, we were putting $200 away every month because we knew there were going to be expenses and we, we needed to get used to that that habit of spending some extra money to do, you know, the, the gas for the, the lawnmower or the trash, the utilities. Um, I mean, every once in a while we had to do our deck, uh, you know, there's a lot of expenses that, um, that are going to come up, but if you can start planning it in advance and start understanding that those habits will be not no, no longer habits, but a necessity, um, you, you can at least get to the, you wrap your mental, uh, around it, your mentality. That is, I hear you. Other costs that you may not be expecting when you buy a home, homeowners associations. If you plan on living in a condo, yes, you're going to save money versus buying a uh, home, a single family home, but you're also going to be paying those homeowner fees ultimately forever and ever and ever. And they rarely go down. I don't think they ever go down, do they? I've never heard of anybody's going down. And they're a pain in the butt. Homeowners associations. If you're on a homeowners association, there's... You probably are on some antidepressants. There's something not working. And again, send all your complaint letters to <laughs> Ray Lucia at RayLucia.com. Um, but if you're living in a condo, homeowner's fees uh, are almost always required. Uh, they cover things like the lobbies, the patios, the landscaping, the pools, the elevators, the golf courses. And for some reason, the, the, they're just aggressive. If you, Like I said, I've, yeah, I've got a homeowner's association. that They also protect your neighbors, you from your neighbors painting their house pink. Parking uh, RVs in the front yard, having you know, cars on the gra- on the on the lawn. Um, that is, of course, if it's an HOA for a single family house. But it does protect you in many ways. Uh, where we see HOAs not working for people is when they they aren't responsible. They don't have good accounting, and then let's say you want to get a refinance, and they didn't tell you about a litigation that you went into. It, the, the best thing you'd ever do in an HOA situation, if you'd get into one, is be part of be active with the HOA. So that you know what's coming up, you, you you figure out, you see their budgets, you see the kind of insurance they have, and you you can go to the voting so that you can limit how many renters live there. There's a lot of things you can do to to improve your HOA situation, um, but you still can't get away from the cost. And when you own a home, expect the unexpected, not only from utilities and maintenance and home insurance. Um, national average is about a thousand dollars a year on home insurance. There's going to be closing costs. There's going to be homeowners association fees, property tax. But the one that I always come back to is renovations. Um, because you go in, you, you get the purple bathroom with the pink shag carpet and you're like, 
I want a new bathroom. And suddenly you get, you know, priced in like $20,000 for a new bathroom. And it's never $20,000. Those are the kind of costs that you wish you had some you know, good experience building. Right. Some some home improvement experience when you were a kid. Uh, if you want to buy a house, the best experience you could ever get, like working part-time in the summer, work with some sort of painter or contractor so you can get that experience. Because right. you're going to need that when you have a house. Yeah. Maybe, even to the point where maybe you're cleaning your gutters and you, you don't know how to climb a ladder. It sounds silly, but you may have fallen off a ladder once and never climb another ladder. And all of a sudden, that's a $200 bill for somebody to clean your gutters. Minimum two hundred dollars. <laughs> so you sound like you know and you know that for a fact. Don't let the uninsured um, people from South America climb onto your roof without insurance. So when I uh, cleaned your gutters that one time, and I charged you a six pack of beer. That was a lot less than I should have charged you. Probably. Dang it! And cleaning gutters is not innuendo for anything other than cleaning gutters. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a mortgage lender. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Perhaps he will clean your gutters for your six-pack of beer as well. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. So, Tony, looking at this list a little further, private mortgage insurance, um, that can add up. One and a half percent of a mortgage. Like, it can add up, uh, depending on the size of your down payment and your credit score and situations along those lines. It can be as little as 40 basis points, as high as one and a half, from what I've seen. Uh, buy a house initiative. Um, what what that means is that there's there is a government entity out there that is pushing, pushing, pushing owning homes, and we wouldn't have these low down payment products um, unless uh, there was you know it was being pushed heavily, and they are. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Talking money and investing, trying to get you towards retirement. A little bit of a bump in the stock market yesterday. We went from down 100 to 200 to 600. It was one of those days where you look up at the screen and go, whoa, that's a big one. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com to give us some perspective on what's happening in October through mid-November inside the stock markets. Mr. O'Hare, you have a clear, concise hey, answer hey, Rob, like you usually nice to do? Back with you. Thanks, for, thanks for coming, obviously. Uh, what do you make of these markets? Um, it's been a rough 45 days. It's been a volatile 45 days. Yeah, you know, it sure has. And, um, I mean, you can see... Uh, in, in terms of the breakdown of the major indices, what you know, one of, one of the driving catalysts, you know, from a stock-specific standpoint, has been these widely held, you know, uh, technology shares and these mega cap uh, momentum stocks. You know, the Facebook, the Amazon, the Netflix, the Google, uh, Apple now, um, and and you know, their their sheer weight of that of that grouping has applied some pressure to to these broader indices, but. Really, the bigger issue at hand, though, is that you have a market that I think is, you know, as a forward-looking entity, is is staring off into the horizon and is clearly worried about um, the pace, a uh, slower pace of global growth, contributing to a, a slower pace of earnings growth. And uh, so there's a number of forces that are lining up to contribute to those concerns, such as rising interest rates. Um, you know, various reports from corporate America about how input costs are going up. So there's worries about profit margin pressures um, showing up in the future here. Uh, you know, you have a stronger dollar that's that's factoring into the mix. 
and and clearly you're seeing within the data itself, uh, particularly in, out of China and Europe, that things are are slowing down. So uh, so you've had a market that was you know priced for perfection in many ways, uh, and it's rolling back now on this notion that things may not be so easy and so perfect in in the coming months, particularly with the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, sounding as if it's very much inclined to keep raising interest rates. So, how far can we go? Um, do we go from correction to bear market, or is it a kind of a wait and see? Because it looks like 65 to 70% of the stocks in the market have already corrected. Um, do they have further to go? Right. You know, it's, it's a great observation, Rob, and it's a very difficult question to answer because you also have to okay. take into account uh, crowd psychology, right? And, you know, and there's just no telling uh, when emotion takes over just how far you can go. Um, you know, the market itself, you know, trades at about 16 times forward 12-month estimates, so it's not egregiously overvalued here. Um, and, you know, as you rightfully point out, uh, you've got three-quarters of the S&P 500 in a correction already. So, um, so, so we've seen, you know, a lot of these concerns get priced in, and, and I think that uh, what you're in, what you're likely to see here into year end is, is this um, is volatility, obviously increased volatility, with an inclination to sell into strength on rallies because uh, because the market is not comfortable yet that the Federal Reserve is going to um, take a pause uh, from its interest rate cycle here, and uh, and it continues to worry about you know trade issues and uh, and so there's you know someone clear uncertainty around those important elements, and until it kind of can get its mind around, uh, you know, a positive resolution on either of those fronts, uh, it's likely to continue to be inclined to sell into strength. So you might see things that, you know, where you're looking really good one day, and then all of a sudden it's not looking so great the next uh, because of that uh, lingering uncertainty. With that said, Home Depot came out and blew away numbers this morning, so there's something positive about the economy, the employment numbers are great. There's a little bit of wage inflation. Um, am I digging too deep and I should just uh, help myself by cutting loose and saying, no, it is what it is. Should I, um, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Right, I mean, they're, 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 you know, uh, that, that's kind of one of the, the befuddling things here, I think, for a lot of people is they watch how the stock market reacts in the face of U.S. data that looks pretty good still, right? You're still getting solid GDP growth. You know, you have an unemployment rate that's, that's at, what, like a 40-year low or so. Um, and, you know, and you see these, you know, these very elevated levels of consumer confidence, uh, you know, that are geared or that are rooted in the consumer's view about uh, income growth prospects as well as job security, right? And that's all good, and it should be good for spending activity. Uh, and that's an important component because consumer spending accounts for, for you know, close to 70% of U.S. GDP. Um, but, you know, again, it, it's, it's about uh, the market taking in, I think, the global landscape and, and starting to uh, ingest this fear that the troubles abroad will start to, you know, make their way uh, into the U.S. At the same time, the Federal Reserve here is going to be raising interest rates and, and trying, you know, and, and effectively applying some breaks to, um, to the economic momentum we've been seeing here. So uh, 
you know, and tellingly, I mean, you've got Home Depot. You know, they had some impressive headline figures, obviously, uh, raised their guidance. The stock's down, you know, almost 3% today. Um, you know, as an aside, I think there were some concerns about the quality of the earnings growth in, in the third quarter, given that you know, a lower tax rate and share buyback activity, you know, helped uh, uh, helped increase things, if you will. Um, so I think that that's factoring in somewhat. But, um, but again, you know, you just have this, this cloud hanging over the market right now uh, uh, about, you know, about growth concerns and, and also about, you know, the price action too, right? You're not seeing this uh, patented buy-the-dip rally, the V-shaped recovery that everyone's come to expect following, you know, big corrections here. And, um, you know, and more recently we've obviously had, uh, you know, Apple issue disappointing guidance that's been corroborated now by several of its suppliers uh, cutting their guidance. Uh, and so that just feeds into these concerns about slower global growth as well as just peak growth in general. I saw that uh, Apple's lost $190 billion in market cap in 45 days. And I just go, easy come, easy go? Or is it a buying opportunity? In big names like that, do you get excited or case by case? Any any thoughts on what you would tell you know, maybe one of your kids who is enamored with a stock um, that's fallen a lot? Right. Uh, what yeah, advice? Well, I, I, Right, I, I think it, I think the you know advice is you know that uh, depending on your your time horizon, you know you should kind of welcome these these price pullbacks. You know, I mean, uh, obviously Warren Buffett always does, right? You know, he, I don't know how many times you've heard over the years uh, him cheer. Uh, when stock prices come down, you know, right. <laughs> it gives them an opportunity to deploy cash, you know, at more attractive levels uh, that enhance the long-term return potential of that investment. And, uh, you know, Apple is certainly a, this, this, you know, behemoth that's not going anywhere and uh, is a huge cash-generating machine that's going to, you know, bode well, I think, for shareholder returns, you know, for some time. And, um, it, you know, so so it does... You know, um, create some good opportunity. I think uh, in a name like that, certainly for someone with a long-term orientation. But um, uh, you know, but you have to take into account too that you know the near term could be a little bit dicey. So um, you know, as as worries pick up about you know iPhone demand, and you know iPhone has been their great profit generator, and so they're trying to transition to more of that services model, which you know could create some disruption over the, the near term here, but. Obviously, they're just uh, have a fortress balance sheet, you know, market leadership position, and great management. Uh, it's a nice combination that usually resolves itself in a favorable way for someone with a patient mindset. Do you care about Amazon going to New York City, Long Island, and uh, Crystal City, Virginia, or is that just PR? Did you read anything into the announcement that just came through? You know, I don't read anything into it other than uh, I think it just it, it, it it's a very encouraging sign about how there's growth and uh, from that particular company and and how they're reinvesting you know uh, to to meet 
the pickup and end demand. I mean, they create a lot of jobs, obviously, in those markets, uh, and that's never a bad thing. So, um, so kudos to Amazon um, for having that opportunity, and I think it's going to be a um, you know welcome development for uh, you know New York City and, and certainly Northern Virginia as well as Nashville, where they're going to be establishing a new distribution center, I believe, too. You know what I read into it, and uh, I want to give my opinion. I read into it that Nashville doesn't have the attraction of tech workers, and that New York City and uh, Crystal City, Virginia, Amazon's going to be able to put people there that make $100,000-plus, and there's just not enough educated people. And that's a mean thing to say. It's not. There's just not enough master's degrees and bachelor degrees uh, in Nashville, per se, and the operations is a little bit easier. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to know, get tech workers. I, well, I graduated from Vanderbilt, which is, which is in Nashville. So, um, so you know, <laughs> so I, I, I kind of have a bias that I think there is some qualified uh, labor there coming out of uh, you know Vanderbilt, uh, but. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, they obviously took a very deliberate look at you know how they could um, work with various cities and the infrastructure and, and all of those other things about a labor pool that would be available to them. And, and you got to believe they made a, a very conscientious decision that they think is going to be the best suited for their you know long term profit potential. So. Um, you know, so I don't read too much into that, um, and I think okay. Nashville would be just be happy to have that distribution center, um, those jobs coming their way. It's all good stuff. Thank you so much, and uh, congratulations on Vanderbilt. Great school. You can find more at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. I start my day every day uh, checking out page one. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So, I'm sorry that I do this, but I do. I look at everything in the news from a financial lens. I look at everything on television from a financial lens. I try to figure things out. Um, I try to tie pieces together. And I think the big one that I'm doing today, just in my head, is the wildfires. So I wake up, I live 200 miles from the fire. And uh, there's ash on my car. And I see people, you know, walking around with the mask that cover their mouth. That's not good enough. You need a respirator. You need something to filter that stuff. Really kind of thing. And I go, okay, so there's going to be some health concerns down the road, right? But really the thing that hits me the hardest right now is people losing everything. I had some in-laws um, lose their house last year in Santa Rosa, and they're still fighting the insurance companies. Not fighting, just documenting. Trying to say, well, we had this and we had that, and they don't have a lot of proof of it and what they paid and things along those lines. Now, you can get it kind of in the ballpark, right? But is ballpark going to be good enough? I could tell you that financially, they're coming up shorter. They, they, they weren't made whole, and that kind of stinks. So a big old trio of wildfires are burning through northern and southern California right now. And it's going to cost insurers and homeowners a lot of money. Now, for the homeowner, I want you to start thinking things like the claims process. And you may know someone. I know someone whose house burned down last year. And this one's even worse. Um, so it's, it's worth mentioning, you have a cell phone. Go take pictures of things in your home. Go take pictures. Start with important documents social security card, anything else. Before you go out and run and get a uh, fireproof safe, start with taking some pictures today. You can do it. 
Then you know, m- maintain images of your belongings in, in your home. Keep them in cloud storage. Forget the fireproof safe. What you're going to spend on the fireproof safe, well, I'm not going to say forget the fireproof safe, but also throw it into the cloud. Um, average homeowner losses, you know, property damage, um, fire and lightning, wind and hail. Fire is the most expensive thing that we're dealing with right now. And uh, it's, it's worthy of note. You should know your coverage. I know, I know, I know. That guy was a real nice guy who sold you the policy. And this is one of the things I, I, I try to do, and it, it, I get less patience as I get older, is when you're talking to someone who's a, who's a professional, don't get caught up like telling them about your kids. Don't get caught up telling them about, like, oh, what did you do today, Joe? Um, oh, I had a great latte. You should come meet me for a latte. If he, know your coverage. Coverage foots the bill for hotel stays. Does it? Yes or no? Does it you know, cover meals if your dwelling is uninhabitable? Insurers have coverage limits when it comes to paying for those costs, capping the amount that they're willing to do. How much does it cost to repair? How much does it cost to rebuild? Your insurer will send a claims adjuster to assess the damage. It may recommend a contractor to provide you with estimates. Sometimes those contractors, and, and trust me, um, you know, I had some car damage, and I use Geico. Geico was like, come on in, you know, we'll take a look at it. So I go to them. They didn't come to me. USAA used to come to me, so I think, okay, so the service is lacking a little bit. But then they recommended auto body shops that I could take it to. Um, let's say it was $5,600, what Geico looked at. Well, I took it to an independent auto body shop, and they said, no, it's, it's more like... 7400 I'll show you why. Here's where they said they're going to do this. Well, you got a joint down there that's busted now, and that joint gets into a second accident, and you die. So you got to like you got to know what your coverage is going to cover, and then you also got to know can you go to somewhere else to get a second estimate. You got to watch for catches. There could be limitations on the policy. If your whole house burned down, it used to be that you had a guaranteed replacement. You know, insurers start to rethink this and apply an absolute limit on what they'll pay. For instance, let me give you an example. A homeowner's policy that covers a replacement cost of your home will pay out the cost of replacing your damaged home with a similar dwelling in the current market. Some companies may cap that replacement cost at 20% over the face value of the policy. If your replacement value is $1 million, then you can get coverage for up to $1.2 million. Now, you have to update your coverage, too. You can't be living in your coverage from 1990 when your house was worth $100,000 and the property was worth $400,000. Property is fine. So it's got some scorch marks on it. They're not going to pay for that. They're going to pay for the property damage. And you, you paid a policy for $100,000, even though contractors, they're not, they're not lowering their prices. They're not going to give you a fire discount. In fact, they're going to do a, a premium. Whoever pays the most gets the work done first not every contractor but i've seen it i've seen it in my case insurance companies may not cover the extra cost of bringing your damaged home up to new building codes including upgrading your wiring and elevating the dwelling to curb flood risk so if you disagree with the resolution of your claim take your complaint to your insurer's consumer relations department you have rights um have an emergency plan so like I said, get to know your insurance coverage on everything. Figure it out on your car today. So, by the way, like the Oakland Hills fires, 
a lot of people hadn't updated their policy in 20, 30, 40 years, and a lot of Californians uh, are lifers. You know, they're not moving around often, so they're not getting new coverage. You've got to update that coverage. We have $2 billion worth of homes at risk right now. Wildfires are continuing to rage across the state. Oh, boy, $2.6 billion in residential properties. That's not even including commercial properties. Anyhow and anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show. Don't forget, big event coming up. You can sign up for it. It's this Saturday in San Jose. This will be a wealth preservation and a wealth creation event in the afternoon. There's separate events, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.